Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Okay, our verse today is verses Matthew 22, 1 through 14. This is in the New Revised Standard Version. I think this is like the UVC version we usually use, right? Okay. <clears throat> the parable of the wedding banquet. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner and my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Hey everyone, good morning. Uh, my name is Brittany, I'm a pastor here, and uh, what a doozy of a scripture passage, right? We're going to talk about it, um, but first let's, let's pray. God, for the gift of our minds that can read a passage like this and, and dig and discover what it is that we might know and be and live into for the gift of this community that allows us to question and sometimes find answers and sometimes find more questions. We give you thanks. Open our ears and hearts and minds that we might hear you and know you and walk into this beautiful banquet you have prepared. Amen. So, uh, I was a pretty straight-laced college student. Um, I had a job on campus. I studied hard and pulled off nearly straight A's. I say nearly because of science. Um, I was an active participant in my campus ministry, and I loved just spending times with my, time with my friends, being goofy, doing silly dances, telling jokes, this sort of thing. I don't know what you do with friends. Although, without alcohol because I wasn't 21, and it would have been illegal to drink. Because <laughs> I remember the straight-laced part. 
the summer be between my sophomore and junior year, three of my college friends decided to get an apartment off of campus. We lived on Mulberry Street. And in that same apartment building, four of our friends from our uh, residence hall also got an apartment right there. And then just next door to that, in the next building over, four other friends from our residence hall got um, uh, an apartment. So it was just like continued residential life. You know, all these people right there. It was really great. That summer, the boyfriend of one of my friends, I can't remember which one it was, um, knew of this legendary party that was going to be happening near us. Alcohol was secured, a, gr a great music mixer was ready to go, and anybody who was anybody was invited to this party. Now, I wasn't so sure that I wanted to go because of being a straight-laced student, but all of my friends said I had to go, I had to go, it was gonna be so great. And so peer pressure is a thing, and so I went. I accepted the invitation. We got there around 10. Now, I can't think of a party I've been to that starts at 10 o'clock since then, but because uh, I'm old and tired. But we got there, and the party was just starting to come alive. Uh, just to kind of set the scene, Wannabe by the Spice Girls was probably playing in the background. Maybe a little Imbop by Hanson. You get the picture. You know, you see my surroundings. And now because I don't drink, because I didn't drink at the time, my friends then were working very hard to get me to drink. You know how that is, right? Like the person that is not, oh, come on, just have one. It'll relax you. I remember somebody gave me a beer. And with great trepidation, I took my first sip. And it was in that moment that I realized that I absolutely hate beer. Um, but I continued um, to hold this beer, and, and I think Puff Daddy came on uh, and uh, playing I, I'll Be Missing You. Yeah, I'm dating myself. Um, and that's when I was holding my beer, and I looked out the window, and I saw the flashing blue lights in the streets. <laughs> and suddenly, panic ensued in this party. I... Uh, Concerned that I might have been intoxicated from my sip of beer <laughs> and concerned about my reputation, I may or may not have shouted something like, I am the president of my campus ministry. I cannot be caught up in a scandal. <laughs> I may or may not have run um, out the back door, pushing people aside. I may or may not have jumped a fence and run along the railroad track to get back to my apartment where I hid in my bedroom. What a party. What a party. I think it is my most memorable party that I have been to. What's your most memorable party? What has been your most scandalous invitation that has been cast? What made that party so memorable? Was it a party that you wanted to just invite others to over and over again because it was so good? In this parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a king who prepares a wedding party, the party of the year, right? The best party. And at first glance, that first line this scripture passage, I'm like, yes, amen, all right. The gospel life is a party. Let's do it. I'm in. But then we keep reading. 
And we realize that this parable grows darker and more violent and is not a, I don't know about you, but not really a party that I want to be a part of. Uh, those who are invited to the party kill the servants who are doing the inviting. Um, and then in anger, the king gives an order to destroy and murder and set fire to the city. So the servants set out again and invite people. And this time they come, but I'm not really sure that they come of their own volition, right? Um, and the king shows up to this wedding banquet, finds someone that is dressed inappropriately, and banishes them to the outer darkness where there's gnashing and grinding of teeth. What starts as this elaborate and joyful feast, a wedding banquet, ends more like an invitation to a house of horror. Now, you'll notice that I've said maybe uh, before already that this is a parable. This scripture passage is a parable. Jesus often spoke in parables, and parables are stories. Everyone loves a good story, right? Y'all like my party story, right? But parables are often, they're slightly absurd in order to make a point, okay? So they basically sacrificed realism, like something that would concretely really have happened, in order to make some sort of theological meaning, right? So the question then is, what sort of point is Jesus trying to make with this story? Or to dig even a bit deeper, what sort of point is the writer of the Gospel of Matthew trying to make about the Christian life? We're going to examine those things, and then I want to dial it back just a little bit and ask, what does this have to do with us today? Now, I want to dig into this historical, this historical background of what is actually happening in this passage. Because in order for us to understand this passage, especially, I mean, this is an awful passage, right? Like, yeah? So in order to understand that, we have to know the context that it's written in. I just want to give you a brief example of why that's so important. I want you to imagine that it is 2,000 years in the future. Okay, so it's the year 4016. Everybody's dead. That's yeah. Uh, that's here, right? Um, because it's 2,000 years. Uh, and somebody comes across an ancient text from the year 2016. And in this writing, maybe it's a journal article, a journal writing or something. And in this writing, uh, it says, "I." Let me elaborate this a little bit because the first service didn't get my joke. <laughs> Uh, it says, I don't care for Hillary. I will always feel the burn. Okay? B-E-R-N, right? <laughs> now, 2,000 years from now, if you don't know about the uh, what is what, primary election... You might read that and think that he was talking about squats or something, right? I'm always going to feel the burn. I don't care for Hillary because she makes me do squats. I, um, I always feel, or whatever, right? Like, you, if you don't know the context, you, you don't know how to read that, right? Do you get this? Yes? You with me? Okay. So it's important to know the context. We're gonna, I'm going to geek out just for a few minutes and talk a little bit about what was going. Oh, I just saw somebody go, yes, geek out, Brittany. Uh, so let's talk history. Now, this particular parable has had a lot of mileage. It is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in uh, what's called the Gnostic Gospel. It's some writings that, weren't, that didn't get canonized into Scripture, the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. 
And it's also part of what scholars call um, a pre-gospel source that scholars call Q. So it's, um, this, it's this text that we can't find anywhere, but we know was a text because there's other texts. It's, yeah, I'm geeking out too much, probably. Um, so like any good story, though, where it shows up, um, it gets tweaked slightly to fit the context and theology of that community, right? So the story in Luke is just slightly different than the story in Matthew. For Matthew, this story is showing us the low point in an intense family feud. And I use that term family feud uh, purposefully. A lot of times this text has been seen as an anti-Semitic text. Oh, we Christians are so awesome. It's the Jewish people that couldn't accept Jesus, right? But, but for the Matthean community, they were all Jewish. They were all part of the Israelites, right? There were Sadducees, Pharisees, um, and there were people that were following what they called the way, right? Those were the ones that um, thought Jesus. But they all considered themselves to be Jewish, to be, to be people of Israel, right? And so this was a family feud that they were in the midst of. Matthew uh, and his community were caught up in a struggle with the Israelite kin about how to be faithful to the God of Sarah and Abraham, and in particular, whether Jesus um, of Nazareth was the Messiah that Israel's prophets had promised. Right? So that is what the scripture, that, that's the subtext of the scripture that, that, that we are trying to get across. So um, I've got a slide, if you can bring it up. So if we know the context of that community, then we can see this parable becomes an allegory of sorts. Right? It, it, um, each thing sort of represents something. So it is possible that the Matthean community would read this parable and, and immediately be like, oh, this is, this is what it all means. So the king would have been God. The son was Jesus, the, you know, the king throwing the, get, get, uh, the banquet for his son. The guests were Israel. It was all of Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the um, people following the way, all of the Jewish sects, right? The, um, the zealots. Uh, the banquet was salvation. It was the salvation, a journey. It was the gospel life. It's the kingdom of heaven. It is the joy of being in community with God and walking this life with Jesus, right? Um, The first slaves, the first servants that were sent out would have been the prophets um, in scripture that were persecuted, right? Like nobody that was a prophet in the Hebrew Bible lived a good life. (laughs) They all all got offed, right? Because they were prophetic. the second slaves would have been the Christian missionaries that uh, testified and were martyred, right? So you see how this feels less violent when you kind of get some of the context? And then the last set of slaves would have been the Christian missionaries who were living into the, this great commission of, of inviting everyone to the gospel party, everyone to the banquet, right? Jew, Gentile, um, slave, free, male, female, all of the categories that divide us. They invited everyone, right? Everyone showed up at the end to this party, right? Now, I, I cut this out in the uh, first service, or I, the first service was like, please, can you tell us about the, uh, the very last couple of verses, the person, so, and, and I was, do you guys want to know about that? It's not really part of my sermon, but then I was like, it, it's kind of awful. So, <laughs> let me explain that too. So, in the, um, you guys have been to a baptism, 
Okay. In the baptism life, you've maybe heard language like put on the clothing of Christ, right? Like that we put aside our old ways and we take up our new ways. We're clothed in righteousness. You've heard these terms, right? And so it is thought that um, the very end, this person, it was like somebody that was invited to the party and showed up but isn't doing the work, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I am a follower and I'm just going to sit in the corner and be grumpy and not enjoy the party, right? Right? I'm not going to party hard. Um, so it's somebody that, it, so that was a critique to insiders in, 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 that were part of the way, not to outsiders. Does that make sense? So it was, it was like, hey, you say that you're this, but you're not, you're not partying. You're not enjoying the gospel life. You're not, you know, eating the food and talking. And Does that make it feel better? Still an awful text, but you get it a little bit, right? So this history, it helps us to understand the parable a bit. Now I want to dial it back just a little bit to focus on this banquet imagery because that is party is this good imagery, isn't it? To be invited to a party. What does it mean that God invites each and every one of us to a party? What does it mean that the image of, of the kingdom of heaven is a banquet feast? And that all, like everyone, like gay, straight, bi, cis, trans, black, Asian, white, Latino, sober, addicted, HIV positive, HIV negative, you don't know your status, poet, scientist, any other category, what does it mean that everyone, everyone is invited to this banquet? All y'all, right? That's where, that's where the term all y'all comes in, not just y'all, but all y'all. And once you've joined this party, you can't help but be like those third set of slaves, the third servants. You can't help but go and invite everyone. Because you're like, man, this is a party. You've got to be part of it. That's why we, y'all, that's why we do the, how many of you guys went to Midsummer Fest yesterday and stopped by our button booth? Yeah, two people, awesome. Um, how many of you are going today? Awesome, the whole crowd, yes. Um, <laughs> That's why we are in Midsummerfest with a booth inviting people to make buttons. Because it's, we're helping people get to know what it means to join the party. Join the party, make a button, right? That's why we march in the Pride Parade. Um, and I love it. Every year I get kisses. I'm going to tell a story next, year, or next week about a kiss I got, or maybe Pride Sunday. Um, every year we pass out brochures and flyers and say, y'all, I know what you have heard about church people. I know what you have heard about Christians that you think you're not welcome, but you are welcome to this party. It is a party and you're invited. So there's a lot of complicated stuff in this scripture passage, but the bottom line, this like party business, I can get on board with that, right? I have a friend, uh, he used to serve a church in Rockford. And every year he would drive up uh, with his youth to South Dakota to, to volunteer at Tree of Life Ministries. It was a Native American ministry. Oh, you, yeah, is that where you guys were from? No. Okay. Um, it's a Tree of Life Ministries. If you want to know more about it, ask Grant after worship. <laughs> Uh, they would leave, they had this trip down Pat, he had done it so many years, they would leave on Saturday morning, and they would arrive Saturday late afternoon, 
The next day they would worship at this Native American Episcopal church that was right near the ministry. Uh, it, it was a great church because the service was an hour or just even a little less. So it was early so they could get out and then they would have the whole day to kind of be tourists and go to the Badlands and, you know, I don't know if you shop up there or whatever, but just kind of relax before the week of mission, of work, right? So when they arrived at the Tree of Life Ministries, the director welcomed the group in and asked my friend if he would be open to going to another congregation. James, uh, we, we trust your group. You've been coming many years, and we're just establishing a relationship with a new church, and um, we would love for a church group to go visit them. Um, we would love for you to, to represent this church. But the problem with this uh, was that it was a longer drive out to the congregation. The service began later in the day, and it was a conservative Pentecostal um, holiness church, so there, um, the worship was going to last for like two or three hours. And James didn't even bother to consider the request too deeply. He said, no, we've already made our plan. Uh, we don't have time for that church. Uh, the kids want to visit the Badlands. That evening before they headed to bed, the director approached James again, and he said, please go to this church. They just really want some visitors, and I know, I know your group would do so well there. Um, James said, uh, sorry, we can't go. Not really giving it another thought. That morning, as the youth group was like loading the van to go to the Episcopal one hour or less worship service, um, the director came again and said to James, James, you have to go to this church. You just have to go. They so want somebody, and you are the great, the perfect group to go there. Please go. And James, uh, you know, he's, he pays attention to that sort of thing, right? Three times somebody asked, and so he said in just a sort of quick response, yes, we'll go, we'll go. So they drove the hour or so out to the church, they, and the ride was, like, not pleasant. The youth were pissed. <laughs> James was mad, too. I can't believe I said that, you know? We're going to this. Um, and they get there, and the congregation just says, welcome, and we're so glad you're here. The pastor and his wife came over, and they said, you came. They've been telling us that someone would come, and they never come. And you came. We're so glad you're here. And James and the youth group were slightly humbled by the response, and they sat down, and the worship service began, and it was loud and proud, and um, lots of hand-waving, and uh, the strangest thing happened. The members of the church would get up, and they would sort of dance to the exit, and they would leave. And they'd be gone for like an hour. And um, then they'd come back and somebody else would leave. And it was like nobody, none of the members stayed in the service. They all sort of left and came back. And everybody, especially my friend James, because he can only speak about himself, he was like, I was getting a little angry. I think we have to sit through this two to three hour service. And these, and these members don't even have, like, they're leaving and coming. He was getting angry, you know. They had sacrificed the Badlands. And the members couldn't even stick around. So eventually the service ends, and the pastor goes to the front and says, I just have one announcement. Thank you all for coming to this worship service. We are so glad that you were there. 
and he takes the string and he pulls back the curtain to the side room and there's just an elaborate, abundant feast. Each of those members had been leaving to go to their house to prepare food, to make food for this banquet that they set for the visitors. There was fry bread, there was, there was even a birthday cake. Um, there was a, a woman whose daughter was having a birthday and instead of having a birthday party that afternoon at home, she had sacrificed the cake and brought it to the visitors to have an abundant feast and celebrate that they were there. And my friend was just speechless. And it was all they could talk about that whole week, having been invited to the feast, having experienced a wonderful, hospitable party. And it's my friend's favorite story. He tells it all the time when he's preaching. He can't help but share what it has been like to experience abundance and invitation. That's what this scripture passage is about today. It's about experiencing abundance, joy, feast of a party, and going out and sharing it with anybody and everybody that you can find. Thanks be to God.